Welcome to the Eddie Hyatt Podcast. I'm your host and teacher, Eddie Hyatt, and we're continuing our series on Great Awakenings. Oh, how we must have great awakenings in this day and time in which we live. Whether you're in Canada, Ireland, Uganda, Pacific Islands, Pakistan, India, wherever you may be, oh, how we need to pray and believe God for another great awakening. Uh, and we have biblical basis for it, for Acts 2.17, Peter quoting from Joel 2, I believe it's verse 28, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. We ended yesterday, we were talking about uh, the great awakening that began in 1726, and how uh, this is how I came to have a book called 1726, and a um, project I call the 1726 Project to get this information into the schools, into the hands of politicians and different people about the true founding of this nation uh, birthed out of a great spiritual awakening. When we were talking yesterday about Theodore Frulinghausen, a, a Dutch Reformed pastor down I, I'm trying to remember which uh, province he was in. I mean, which colony. I think it was in, uh, I think it might have been in, it's either New York or New Jersey. And then there was Gilbert uh, uh, Gilbert Tennant. He was a Presbyterian and he was somewhere there in the middle colonies, I think in New Jersey as well. And then, uh, and, and how yesterday, check out yesterday's podcast. The details are there. So, such inspiring stories. And then there was Jonathan Edwards in New England, Massachusetts. This revival broke out there. And Jonathan Edwards and he and his wife, uh, who was a remarkable woman, uh, I believe her name was uh, Sarah, Jonathan and Sarah. Uh, and they were concerned about the spiritual indifference. And they set themselves to praying and seeking God. And Jonathan was a, a tremendous student. He was a graduate of Yale, and uh, he had learned the original languages and, and uh, was very versed in Greek and was a tremendous scholar. In fact, he has been called the greatest philosopher that America has produced. But he also had a, a heart that was tender and passionate towards God. And and he took over the pastorate of the Congregational Church in Northampton, Massachusetts. So so in this revival, we see we've got the Dutch Reformed, we've got the Presbyterians, now we have the Congregationalists. <laughs> and uh, uh, a tremendous revival broke out in his church and spread to the entire community. And according to Edwards, you couldn't go anywhere in the town that every, without hearing people talking about God, that everywhere you went in the stores or on the street, people were talking about eternity and about God and salvation and how to know that you are saved. There, there, there was just this strange, eerie sense of God's presence everywhere. And... Um, he said that during this time, he said it would be spoken of as a strange thing if you met anyone 
who was unconcerned about the things of God. Can you imagine? That would be like uh, coming home from Walmart and saying to your husband or your wife and saying, dear, I had the strangest experience today. I was at Walmart and I ran into a person there who seemed to be totally unconcerned and indifferent about the things of God. It seemed like the whole community, well, he himself said that, that, that the town seemed to be full, not the church. He said the town seemed to be full of the presence of God. Now, it is so interesting. He had none of the accoutrements that we have. Uh, he didn't have any uh, worship team, musical instruments, or praise band. <laughs> uh, he didn't have any great gospel choir. Uh, he was not a great orator. In fact, Jonathan Edwards wrote out all of his sermons, and he would stand behind the pulpit without ever moving, without ever making any physical gestures. And in a monotone voice, he would read his sermon to the congregation. Oh, my friends, we have to be careful that we don't mistake, that we don't substitute substance for style, uh, and that we don't mistakenly attribute a certain style to the anointing. You see, as Pentecostals and Charismatics, we tend to think that the louder and, and more boisterous and flamboyant something is, the more anointed it is. No, not necessarily so. It could be just a lot of noise. It could be a clanging bell and a tinkling cymbal. As Paul says, I think it's in First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 13. Uh, but even though they didn't have all of these things that we think are necessary for revival, what they had were were hungry, sincere hearts crying out to God. And as it says, the passage I quoted uh, in uh, the last podcast, the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking those of a perfect heart that he may show himself strong on their behalf. And so, uh, Edwards, his church filled with people without any kind of outreach, community outreach of any kind, the church filled with people. And he said the congregation would be at times in tears and at other times in joy uh, because of the presence of the Lord. And, uh, uh, and said they were so intent on the preaching of the word. And, and, and remember the way he preached the word, he read his sermons. It makes all the difference when God's manifest presence is there, when, when there is a new Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is truly being poured out. And then along, so we had the Dutch Reformed, the Presbyterian, the Congregationalist, and then from England, God sent a young man, 25 years old, uh, George Whitfield. He had been ordained in the Anglican Church, the Church of England. But he had, at, at Oxford University, he had become a part of the Methodist movement. The Methodists were not a denomination yet. They were a revival movement. And he became a part of this revival movement, along with John and Charles Wesley 
He experienced a born-again experience, was filled with the Spirit of God. Now, he was his style was the very opposite of Jonathan Edwards. And always remember, be who you are. You don't have to be like anybody else. You don't have to imitate somebody. I have seen different times in history, I have seen young preachers trying to imitate somebody who was famous at the time. Uh, I've seen young preachers trying to imitate Minnie Hen or trying to imitate Catherine Kuhlman or somebody else. Or, or you know, my friends, be yourself. Let God be himself through authentic, real you. And so George Whitfield was a very dynamic orator and preacher. And he came and he loved to travel. He, he, he was not a person to be in one place. He was continually traveling up and down the eastern seaboard and preaching and visiting all these places where, where revival had already started. But what happened, it seemed that, that, that as a result of George Whitfield's preaching up and down the eastern seaboard, and by the way, he was so much on the move and had such tremendous crowds that he became the most recognized face in Colonial America. Uh, crowds of 10,000 were common. The churches could not hold the crowd, so he would preach out of doors. Uh, it was estimated that probably 20,000 people turned out to hear him on the Boston Common uh, when the population of Boston was only around 17,000. Uh, he went to Philadelphia. He stopped in Philadelphia and preached several days from the courthouse steps. The crowds of eight and ten thousand, when the population of the city was only around thirteen thousand. Among those who were listening to him was Benjamin Franklin, one of America's most most prominent founders. He and Franklin became close friends and business partners, and, and Benjamin Franklin printed his journals and his sermons, and because he was a printer, and, and printed them and sold them and distributed them throughout the colonies. <laughs> oh, hallelujah! And uh, Benjamin Franklin wrote in his 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 uh, autobiography, he wrote a, a story of his life before he died. Whitfield had already died, but he told about how Whitfield came to, to Philadelphia and how they became friends. And uh, he, he described it like this. He said, from being thoughtless and indifferent about religion, he was talking about the city of Philadelphia, from being thoughtless and indifferent about religion, it seemed as if the whole world were going religious so that one could not walk down a street in Philadelphia without hearing prayers and songs of praise and psalms coming from houses on every street. Ah, the city was transformed. Oh, my friends, it was this great international, interdenominational revival that gave birth to the United States of America. And right now, America is in decline and demise. And the only thing that is going to save her is a, another great awakening. Will you join me? And let's pray for another great awakening across this land. And not only this land, but Canada, Ireland, the nations of the world. God has, has said that in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, and on my servants and my handmaidens, I will pour out of my spirit in those days, saith the Lord, and they will prophesy. Those are the days, my friends, in which we're living, so we have a solid basis 
pray in faith for another Pentecost, a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, another great awakening, which is simply an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm Eddie Hyatt. This is the Eddie Hyatt podcast. My book, 1726, is available from Amazon uh, and also from my website, eddiehyatt.com. Uh, Eddie, my name, E-D-D-I-E-H-Y-A-T-T dot com. And you'll find a lot of resources there. Uh, also, there's contact information there. If you'd like to send me an email, tell me you're being blessed uh, by these uh, by these episodes. I, I would love to hear from you. And I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. God bless.